Matthew um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Um, so this is the Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose up, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So in 2009, I moved back from Australia, where I was for a couple of years, and um, I started a band. I was keen to get playing with some fun people. And so I started a band, and this is one of the guys in the band, this is Callum Smith. Um, Callum's a good friend of mine. I originally met him when I was five. We were on holiday, and uh, Callum was, was this, this cool, fun other guy. So Callum and I started a band in uh, about 2009. And we would go around, we would do worship, we would uh, travel around the place. We were called Awaken, it was a good idea in 2009, maybe not in 2018. Um, but there was something about Callum which was really interesting. He was a fairly um, explosive drummer, I think is probably a fair way to say it. Um, there would be nights where we would play and I would feel pieces of drumstick sort of get lodged in the back of my neck as they shattered. We would finish rehearsals and I would be the one uh, left to mop the blood off of the drums that he just hit. Um, we, would, we would leave these amazing little churches in Fife and there would be a pile of sawdust on the floor that could be fully envied. It was, it was incredible. You could build a canoe out of how many broken drumsticks the guy had. And it was always amazing playing with Calm. But something would happen. You know, a passionate guy, passionate drummer, and you would have this different response from, from everybody. In, in the group. So say someone would be sitting here and this person would go, wow, he's amazing. He's so skilled. Wow, he's talented. Next person would go, wow, he's such a show off. <laughs> the next person would go, hmm, he's hot. <laughs> I wonder if he's single. As far as I know, he is. <laughs> the next person would go, man, oh, that guy loves Jesus, eh? He's leading us in worship tonight. And the next person might go, oh, this is fun. I wonder what he's going to do next. And so there was this amazing thing that used to happen. I call it Callum Smith syndrome. It, it, it just spilled out all over the place. 
And it was always great for me because um, I love leading worship and I love the whole process of that. And actually, when you're with a bunch of people who do that for you, it's really good. <laughs> but, you know, same, same thing, all experiencing the same incident, the same experience, but very different views across from each person. I think this gives us a window into, into worship and into God and into how we view and have a perspective and a perception of who he is. Tonight's passage has two pretty interesting and very, very different responses to Jesus coming into the world. You've got Herod, the king, and you have the Magi, this wandering group, these sages from the east. The same opportunity that they saw, the same incident that happened, but different responses, the same action. This child was born, different reaction completely. The same view of Bethlehem, a town where the baby was born, different perspective on it. The same event, Jesus moves into the neighborhood, very different perception of what that means for them all. And this is how we start with worship. This is how we start, all of us individually, getting a different perspective of who God is. There's not two sides to this story. There's two separate stories going on of what it means to them. It's not what they're looking at. It's how they're seeing it. We're not seeing things as they are, but we're seeing things as we are. Herod saw it as Herod was. The Magi saw it as the Magi were. I believe tonight... Worship begins with how we see God. If we're kicking off 2018, maybe we want to kick off with this. Worship starts with how we see God. That response, God, infinite, creator, vast, intimate, close, beyond anything we could preach on for a thousand, two thousand, four thousand years. Vast. And we grasp him as we are, and we long for more. And so worship starts with how we see God. Our response, our whole life of worship, our song, our prayer, our choices all start from this place. It's the story that we start creating in us as we respond to infinite, vast, intimate, glorious God. It comes out way down the line in songs and in prayer and in decisions that we make and justice and, and, and feelings and heart that we have for the world around us. But it starts with how we see God. So when we look at this passage tonight, I just wonder, how do you see Jesus? How do you see this, this child? So I want us to jump in. So if you've got the passage there um, on your Bible or smartphone, any variety, of that, and, and maybe Martin, if we could pop it on the screen, just pop the passage up as we, as we wander through it and find something. I just want to ask us, how do you see God? How do you see Jesus tonight? What is going to bump into your head, your heart, your gut feelings about this? Start jotting that down as we go through. We're, we're in this. This scripture is alive. This is something that we can um, grasp, that we can wrestle with tonight. 
So it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, so who are they? Who are these people? Magi. Three wise men. I thought there were three wise men. Why does it not say three wise men? Who are Magi? Well, these are priests of Medea. They're of Persian descent. They practiced the celebration of various elements, and there were the royal priesthood who believed in a beneficent creator um, who they offered blood sacrifices to. doesn't say there was three, and they may or not, may not have camels or beards, and I'm, I'm just not sure who the Magi are. This begins to unsettle us. So they were the philosophers, the priests, and um, they had the, the kings of Persia would come from this group, this line. Others thought that they would deal in, in dark arts or sorcery. They were like some the kind of Harry Potters of their time. Um, when I think of Persians, I don't think of the worshippers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of uh, the film 300 and I see Gerard Butler kicking them down a well and I think they're this vast evil monstrosity. They weren't the ruling powers of the Jewish nation. They weren't the Christian church. They were the opposite of who and what we'd expect. Early on, Jesus, not even opening his mouth, not even being able to, to say a word as a, as a child, um, begins to flip our social norms around, begins to flip our religious thinking, begins to unsettle um, the government of his time, flips our expectations. He's already playing trickster of expectations and recreator of our paradigms and ways of thinking. He's a baby. So the passage goes on. These magi come to the king of the area. Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So the perspective of the magi is, wow, a star, a king is born. We've got to go there. We've got to see what this is. This perspective of Herod is, what did you say? His star in the sky? The king of the Jews? I'm king of the Jews. Who's this? They're saying, sorry, Herod. I heard you didn't have a star. I heard you're never going to have a star. So you're Herod. You've got foreign dignitaries. Uh, visiting you to let you know a new king was born who has your badge, king of the Jews, and that um, he has a star and they want to go worship him. Not you, not your Rome. They want to go worship a baby rebel king. This is serious threat for Herod. Herod was living in a pretty awkward time. He'd secured the area that he ruled for Rome, but there was always threat. There was, he was a buffer in between two empires. And they'd had to hold a grasp on Jerusalem. There have been sieges to occupy these places. It was a buffer state. Herod had, had kind of gripped on to power um, for, for many years. And he was ill. His emperor was, was fading a little bit. Rome didn't have its glorious general anymore. It was all a little bit cagey. And the time was pretty ripe for the, this Persian, the Parthians, to maybe have a pop at taking that place. And so if you've got foreign dignitaries coming over who say that they heard there's a Jewish king, 
And in their, their background, they've had this before. They've had Jewish kings in their bloodline. They're okay with that. You have a problem on your hands. In Jerusalem, this sudden appearance of Magi, probably traveling in force with all imaginable oriental pomp and ceremony coming through. Maybe they didn't have camels, maybe they had elephants, and that would be incredible. Maybe there was cavalry there. When they rock up to Jerusalem and look for this, Herod feels threatened. The request of Herod, oh Herod, have you, have you seen King of the Jews? Oh, oh, you're king of the Jews? No, we, we saw this star. They're kind of saying, we're a bit dumb with you. And they never called him Messiah. Herod had the title king of the Jews given by the Roman Senate for 40 years. No one called him Messiah. And so the story continues. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means amongst the, the least of the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod gathers them together and says, where is this baby going to be born? And, and, and they're basically like, it's in the book. Um, you probably want to read where your successor might suggest they come from. Um, he has your name tag and you don't know where he's coming from. Herod's not so great here. Maybe there's a reason for this, though. Herod would never imagine out of Bethlehem could come a king, could come one who could overthrow his power. Um, I said this before, and I don't want to make any comparisons here again um, in case I offend anyone from Dundee, so we're not going to go there. It gets me in trouble. But this is like the next ruler coming from the most back-end town that you could imagine. It's out of sight. It's out of mind. It's like Cowden Beef <laughs> taking on Celtic in the league. Oh, Cowden Beef fan over there. <laughs> Tough times. I mean, maybe that's, just as an aside, maybe that's something that you run. I mean, a bit of a Bethlehem mindset that actually from, from your background and where you think, you think nothing really great could, could come out of that place or um, maybe that's a bit of mentality we sometimes have here in, in Scotland. Ah, nothing truly great could really come out of this place. They're changing the recipe of Iron Brew. It's all basically <laughs> going downhill. But maybe there's a bit of that in us that needs to be shaken off. A bit of that Bethlehem mentality. But Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, this guy that they had taken. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. This should be very obvious. Worship him. You can almost see him like winking or nudging or having like a maniacal laugh as he says, go and find him so I may go and worship him. It's pretty obvious he wants to get rid of this person. And after they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
This would be an homage to their kings. They made them presents. They gave gifts. They didn't give Herod this reception. They didn't honor him like a god, let alone a king. It goes on. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They needed it in this dream. And there you're like, come on, guys, the wise men, the magi. Was it not obvious that this Herod just wanted you to spy on this upstart, this rebel? Is it not clear that he's, a, he's like a supervillain megalomaniac? And you've just given all your honor to someone else. So there's this different experience of Jesus first coming into the world. Jesus is a baby, is a small child at this time, and already it's causing political borders to be changed. It's bringing foreign dignitaries crossing borders into an unstable nation. This kid is an upstart. So it's not what we look at, but but it's how we see it. And we're seeing things not as they are, but as we are. And worship begins with how we see God. And so what do we draw on from these two completely different experiences of encountering Jesus for the first time? One full of fear, full of anxiety, full of unsettlement. The other full of wonder, full of a journey, full of adventure, full of generous giving and life. We just polarize things all the time, hey? Um, we just want to, we're out the story and we're, we're going to see where this lands in our lives now. So um, important kind of real quick fire, hands up for love and hands up for hate. We just want to explore a few things now that might polarize us. We'll just see it in the room. Jesus might divide people, but there are other things that can deeply divide us. So uh, first image, hands up if you love uh, blue cheese. Okay, hands up for hating blue cheese. Wonderful. Okay, we're polarized. Here's the next one. Marmite. Okay, hands up for love. Less people. Interesting. Oh, two hands up, Josh. Two hands. Okay. Maybe don't want to go to Alpha. Josh is going to bring Marmite. Okay. <laughs> next, uh, next one. Apple products. Oh, love and hate. Ooh, fun. Okay. Uh, next one. KFC. Apparently one of the most divisive brands in the world. Love and hate. Okay. Just indifferent to KFC. That's fine. Okay, the next one. This is the new hotel at the St. James Center across the road. It's known affectionately as the Orange Peel, I believe. If anyone is working on it in the room just now, apologies, but here's some uh, great focus group for you. Hands up for love. Hands up for hate. Ooh, it's not going to go well, is it? <laughs> okay, and uh, the next one. Uh, dogs. Hands up for love. <laughs> Hands up for dislike. Okay, all right. Some of you have a journey to go on. Look, out, look at that thing. Uh, the last one. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Hands up for love. Oh, hands up for dislike. Okay. Anyone with their hand raised just now, we just want to say there is prayer after. <laughs> you. I want to encourage that to you. We've got so many preferences and ways of seeing. We've seen it all over this passage. So what are we going to do with this holy infant baby Jesus? Will it be a Herod response or a Magi response? So really quickly, we just want to grab a couple of things that... Um, have showed up in Herod and in the Magi and ask how could they begin to come into our lives. So Herod is full of threat. 
sees regime change, sees a need to control, is limited in what he's seeing, sees political uprising, sees losing his title, goes into a focus of murder and holding on to power. Herod has a preference, he has his way. I wonder, if, do you feel like you load that into your life sometimes? Just There are preferences, there are boxes that you tick, there are things you like, there are things you don't. There are pieces of God you like and there are pieces you don't. Pieces of church you like, pieces you don't. Does preference run the story? But the Magi have curiosity at their core. Curiosity. What would happen if we all got curious and began to worship with, I wonder what might happen next? If we walked into a room or a meeting and said, I wonder what God might do here? That wonder and openness to a bigger landscape and generosity and giving gifts, a sense of possibility might be there. The Magi started and pursued that all the way to Jesus. They have this pattern where they discover they see a star and then they pursue it and then they worship and they return. And they seem to live that way. They discover wonder, they pursue it, they worship and then they return. In discovering, they keep their eyes open, they sought out God. In pursuing, they leave their comforts to pursue the wonder that might be ahead. In worship, they are full of joy, generous, adoring, they're humbled. And in the return, they return transformed to the place that they came to continue the discovery, to continue the pursuit, to continue asking, what's next? The Magi have this pattern of passionate worship. I wonder in our city, in our space that we spend most of our time, what would it look like if we started to do that, to discover, to look for what is God doing here and then to pursue that and whatever it looks like to worship God in that place, to bring generosity, wisdom, to pour out our life for others and then to return, maybe the return is here, to celebrate, to gather again, to tell stories of what God's done. Herod, on the other hand, he's hardened. He controls his borders. Herod is shut it down right now. 40 years of power, I'm not losing that to a baby. Herod's hardened, but the Magi are hungry. They wander beyond their own borders, beyond their own religiosity, beyond their space. They pursue something. And what would you get hungry for? What, what would take you outside of your borders? What could take you into a place of, that might cause unrest? What could take you to those who, who could point you to Jesus? Herod feels fearful and controls, but the Magi bring a focus on the sign of hope. A complete focus. They follow the star, they make an inquiry, and they discover Jesus. They're focusing on the signs of hope, and they're focusing not on the voice of fear. One of the things that shows up uh, for me time and time again, and, and day to day, or up here perhaps leading worship, is, is just that question Am I, I going to focus 
on what I'm afraid of? Am I going to focus on what the most cynical thought in the room might be? Or am I going to focus on what the most uh, possible and encouraging thing in the room might be? It can be so easy to just dial down everything we've got to that most cynical voice that's in the back of our head or in front of us. It can be so easy to pull back ourselves and our faith. Maybe that's why we fear talking about faith. What would the most cynical person say? What would my, what would my friend who doesn't like church say about that? What if they loved it? What if we had conversations with people that were encouraging? What if, what if at Alpha someone said, this is a great chat. I've always wondered about this stuff. I'm completely spiritual. Where would that leave us? Think about that when we lead, when I worship anywhere. If I run with what the most cynical person might be thinking, well, where's that going to take me? But what is the voice of the Spirit saying where we run? So worship begins with how we see God. We see that it has, um, there's a hunger, there's a curiosity, there's a focus in the Magi that we can draw from. And so tonight, I just want to ask, as, as the team get up to continue to lead tonight, um, I want to ask, how, how do you see God? You know, if, if you see God and if you see him as good, it's easy to lift our hands up to him and, and worship. It's easy to sing songs, even if we can't sing. And it's probably quite straightforward. But if, if we don't see him as good, then why would we praise him? If we don't see him as good, why would we bother um, coming around to be with other people who think he's good? That would just be really annoying. If Jesus is a really interesting guy, we'd follow his lifestyle teachings, but we wouldn't give up our lives for him. If we see God as just a judge of everyone, we might fear, we might revere, but we'd never call him Father. If the Holy Spirit is, if we see Holy Spirit as, as wacky, a bit crazy, makes people do crazy stuff, then we'd just keep our distance. We'd never bother. And when we say, come Holy Spirit, we'd say, no thanks. But if he's the breath of God that formed the earth, and if he creates life in us, when we say, come Holy Spirit, we might lean in. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Father of all. He's the Spirit of life. It's just a baby. And he was starting to upset things. And so tonight, how do you see God? How do you see Jesus? What path are you wanting to take? What in your seeing do you want God to expand, to take more in? And from what you see, how could we live? And that's the invitation that comes tonight around as we worship, as we pray, as we come to communion, to say, how do you see God? What do you want to take in tonight of who he is? How do you want to move with that in your life?